want to learn how to become a millionaire? Are you committed to having financial freedom? To learn the secrets to building and managing a million dollar business, whatever it takes? Because today the opportunities are greater than ever to achieve your goals. Welcome to How to Be a Millionaire. In this show, we are on a mission to educate and empower a thousand new millionaires over the next 10 years through our nonprofit foundation at millionairestraining.org and through our fast track implementation programs at millionairesacademy.com. I'm your host, Sydney O'Sullivan. Some call me the Millionaire's Mentor because I've been building million dollar businesses for over 20 years. And in this show, I interview other millionaires in my network and get them sharing their best advice to create your big vision, discover your life purpose and legacy, build your dream team, develop a millionaire mindset, scale your business, invest for success, and manage and share your wealth and prosperity over the long term. I hope you enjoy the show. So tell us about your five danger zones and how do yeah, people yeah. And these are all these are all the things that kind of show up um, and that are the hard way to learn, you know, like uh, you're you have to have somebody on your team that you can call up literally, hey, I'm just making I'm making a million dollar sale in uh, a type of real estate. And I need to know what I what my consequences are. Right? Should I do it this year or next, next year? Or how should yeah. I sell it? Like there's you know things like that. Well, the first one I mean, we've been talking about is taxes, right? Yeah, that's one of the biggest um, wealth draining. You know, I mean, really, just truly slows people down. Um, you know, about paying self employment tax or just um, you know we talk about for the small business owner. There's some great uh, financial investments out there for their retirement timer plans, which can save them, you know, $20,000 a year in taxes, right? So that accelerates their wealth if they know these, you know, these secrets. Um, I would also say, you know, using insurance to, to cover uh, death taxes, yeah. right? That's what the wealthy do is that they actually have the insurance policy payout for their death taxes. So they don't have to come out of pocket for a big chunk of money at that time. Right. So there's a secret technique. Yes. Yeah, a little secret technique, <laughs> right. Is that they use insurance for that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, taxes along the way, as you're growing your business, as, you, as you're moving into, you know, bigger, bigger numbers, you really want to start looking at, okay, what's my overall tax strategy and how can I minimize that? And look, there are lots of people that legally don't pay any taxes at all to the investments that they, that they go for, you know, that they invest in. So that's kind of like, you know, what we talk about is like, all right, how can you minimize your taxes? And here's the secret, here's another secret, is the rich actually love doing their taxes, okay? They plan their tax year before the year starts, right? They, are, they don't wait till the last minute or April 14th to turn over their tax stuff. They've already done the tax planning. They know where they're going. They may set up a foundation or a nonprofit at some point in time, if that makes sense to do, right? They use all the techniques that are available to them. So, that's not the thing. Like, how do I pay zero taxes? However, with some really great strategies, it's so low, it's almost like playing zero, paying zero. And the thing is, is that knowing what's coming up, like a lot of us business owners, basically what we do is we earn a bunch of money, earn a bunch of money, and like, oh, we got to pay taxes on that. We're yeah. not prepared I, for it. May I say that I see this a lot. And um, yeah. you, I, they'll come to me, my, some of my clients will come to me, they go, I have to make a whole bunch of money because... I made too much money last year and now I've got this huge tax bill. And it's yep. and I see, particularly in Australia, but I guess you must have the same problem here, is that 
they're using an accountant who is so busy filing tax reports and stuff, but he's not helping them, advising them and saying, Let, let's review what's happening with your income, you know, quarterly or whatever, so that we can start putting things in place. So Definitely. when I used to yeah. own a lot of real estate, I would prepay my mortgages for the year. If I was looking like I was going to, if I'd made a lot of money, I'd prepay my mortgage and that could come straight off of my tax. But it was, it was, you know, I was using the money for something that I would have paid anyway, right? Yep. To get to get advantages. And it's totally legal. And and it's funny because when I was, um, I, I went out to my community and said, hey, I'm going to be interviewing all these millionaire people to teach people how to be millionaires. What should I ask them? And I had a couple of people say, well, you know, are they doing good things for the community? Ask them if they pay their taxes. And I thought that just shows an ignorance of thinking again, because rich people do pay taxes. They, they, they usually employ lots of people. They, all those people are paying taxes and they're not the enemy. Like, you know, uh, you know, it's just because you're not, because you're looking at tax management or being efficient with your taxes, um, making sure you write off your equipment and your, you know, all appropriate expenses, taking advantage of government grants because you're creating jobs and you're providing opportunity and your nonprofit is helping people, right? That's yep. all good. It's not bad. Exactly. I think it's very interesting that mental side of like, you know, like I know people who force themselves to be poor because they've watched the movies or they've talked to people that like those rich, they take advantage of you. You know, look, the movies are the movies. They're not true stories. And it always fascinates me that we get culturally in, that cultural input about rich people is that they're evil. Yeah, and the, it's the, very the, interesting yeah, and yeah, dirty, like, just, you know, filthy rich and all that kind of stuff. I find that fascinating because it prevents you, that attitude prevents you from making more money. Take a look at what you're doing now. You're you, look, if you were wealthy and you were bringing in a lot of cash flow through your business, how many people could you employ, especially in today's uh, society? A huge amount. Well, and, and for me, my passion is affordable, clean, safe housing for people, right? And if I don't have to turn that money over to the government, you know, and, and uh, I can use that money to go get, you know, to go provide more housing for people. So that's that's my incentive. The, the, the government incentivizes me to invest in real estate through, you know, tax reductions. So I'm going to take advantage of that and go, you know, get more housing for people so they have that. Um, I, you know, I don't want to be a slum landlord. I actually want to take care of people, right? So that's what's really passionate, my passion and what's important to me, so. Uh, CPAs, most CPAs are not going to call you and say, oh, you know, it's court, it's the quarter, come talk to me. They're not going to do that. So you have to, you have to like say, okay, it's, you know, after April 15th, so I'm going to have a conversation with my guy and I'm sorry, not being sexist, but my CPA is both, I have a man and a woman. So um, I'm going to go talk with my peep, my person, my people. Or, or multiple people. Multiple like people. Like start really getting, uh, you know, starting having multiple, uh, you know, interests in terms of your, what your business is and what your investments are. You might actually have multiple CPAs to handle things. Yeah. You talked about your money being your job, right? So um, some CPAs are better at like real estate investing. Um, others are uh, better at like um, business, business, just general business, but you want to set up those appointments with them in your own calendar and it doesn't have to be in there. And in the meantime, you're writing down, okay, what are the changes that I made? How much am I making? What are my projections? Things like that. And no CPA knows everything. Yeah. I mean, we've, 
there was analysis done that the tax code on average changes once a day. There's no way that any you know ordinary human being can keep up with that and understand all the implications and how to. So you really need to get really solid advice from people that are in the know, and and uh, and can keep comparing, keep learning for yourself. I mean, I think tax or know somebody who does that. Like yeah. we know a couple of people that they just love the tax code. Yes, and he of course you know is kind of like, and I and I. <laughs> I I sleep when you start talking about the tax code unless it's very unless it affects me directly, right? And so there are people out there that they're like, did you know that ba ba ba? How can we use that tax code? There are literally people that come this January, February, when the new president comes in, they're waiting with bated breath to see what the changes are and how to apply that to their businesses and the people that work for them. So, you know, you just kind of want to find also a good source besides the person who just does your taxes and or your bookkeeping. It's really a source of education in the world. Like, it's just something that you have to keep educating yourself on. Yeah. I, I, so agree, with you. I agree with you guys because um, it actually cost me $8 million to not double check what my financial advisor was advising me to do. I used, to, I used to have a, a, a specialist lawyer whose, whose specialty was, you know, having to, I got him when I, I ended up, um, I can't even remember. I, I, I think I was writing up my wills and, and somebody recommended this guy to be, uh, just to make sure that I had everything, you know, appropriate. And he, he said, you know, I can advise you on a regular basis of your overall financial picture once a year, we can go through. So I would go through with my accountant. And we and he would make a, a, advice say, well, you should set up a trust or you should set up a 401k over here or all these things, which I didn't really understand the full implications of at the time. And um, right. so I would go and see this this finance lawyer, you know, this kind of financial specialist lawyer, and he would say, well, you're not ready for that. You don't need to do that. That's going to tie up a whole bunch of your money, meaning that you can't use it. You know, if you put it in the 401k, um, 401k yes, it'll save you a little bit of money on tax right now, but it's going to stop your investing, right? So it was really good to have those two sets of advisors so that, you know, one would say, well, this is what I think you should do. But then the other one would say, for your overall strategy, not yet, or no, that's not a good philosophy. And then he actually took a year off and I ended up doing what my accountant is suggested and it was wrong. It was the wrong stuff for me, you know, in hindsight and mm -hmm. ended up in an expensive lawsuit. And, but I never got back the money that I lost from the, in the having yeah. to close out those investments, right? Yeah. So I, I completely agree with you. And so how do we find, how do we know if we've got the right advisors? So I, I this is me. So um, the first thing I do is whatever you're doing, find other people who are doing the same thing. If you're a chiropractor, or something like that, that's one of the things that you can do. Ask around, ask a lot of questions. Also, when people come to us to be um, consulted or coached with us, we give them, um, depending on where they're at, we give them some ideas. We also have a large Rolodex of people, depending on you know, where you're at in uh, your financial journey and what you're doing. And so we help with, you know, like here are the questions that you wanna ask for sure. But one of the biggest things is to find a CPA that specializes in your particular type of uh, business and or investment. So we know people who are doctors, but also invest in apartments. They make sure to talk to both of those uh, CPAs and bookkeepers until they know enough. Um, the other thing that I like to say is always join a mastermind, belong to some kind of mastermind where you can talk with people from all other arenas that, um, 
that are either on your level or above your level so that you can get some information from them and then go back to your CPAs, your attorneys. Again, your experience was your tax person and your attorney were siloed. They did not talk to each other, which we see all the time. So you kind of have to look at it like it's a board of directors, right? You gather up all your board of directors and take the time to make sure that you, if it, like when your lawyer or attorney went on vacation, that may have been a good time to have a backup attorney or a couple. And it is worth the $400 or whatever it was to talk to the, the attorney. Um, you know, it, it's like insurance. You're paying insurance. Well, and for me, it's about education, about just mm -hmm. constantly being educated and going to find different sources because no one's going to care about more about your money than you do. Yeah, true story. Really. And, you know, you have to have, I mean, and I've always found that I've had to direct people like, look, this is what I want to do. How do I accomplish this? Mm -hmm. Right. You got to really take the reins because if you just let other people tell you what to do, it's they're pretty much going to do it in their best interest, you know. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, the next one I would say is kind of like wealth training fees. You know, let's just talk about that next is yeah. that your financial planner or, you know, will always, especially if they're from a big financial firm, will always put you in the most profitable investment for their firm, right? It's yeah. not always what's going to generate you the most money or the best tax advantages or, or control, right? It's going to generate them the most money. So we call those wealth draining fees. Yeah, is, here's the thing. They have a fiduciary duty. And the fiduciary duty is, hey, am I, am I putting this into the right thing? But they get commissions. So it, and it influences people. Now there's going to be the rare one that they don't care. But most of them, I used to work in the industry. So I know they would get like, hey, we're promoting this particular mutual fund. And here's the thing that kills me. They're like, let's diversify you. We'll put you into a mutual fund. We'll get you out of the stock market, put you into a mutual fund. You're like, and I'm like, it's the same thing. If not worse, because you have phantom taxes, you yeah. have all this stuff going on. You had fees inside the mutual fund, and, you know, they don't really share. And look, it's not bad. It's just, just know that there's way more to the world than what is being presented to you by a financial planner or somebody similar to that. And if you're paying, you know, 4% fees versus 1%, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars that you are not making. Yeah. Okay, those that's literally you are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars just by those fees. Um, whereas if you go back to being an accredited investor and you can directly invest in investments, right? You don't have to pay those fees. You actually can get higher returns just on not having those fees alone. So, yeah, so that's a very middle-class thing too. I'm glad you brought that up. Here's something that comes up. There are people that are so trained, um, especially uh, people over the age of 50 to 60, that 7% um, is like, woo, 8% is really high. However, when you're accredited investor, that's kind of puny. You know, 15% or 12%, that's a going rate. That's some money you can get back. That's why you notice the difference. Like over time, compound interest or 7% versus let's just say 12%. I'd, I'd still say you're, 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 you're a little ahead of yourself. It's not quite that good now. You're still- Well, look, but still- But I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, I know of investments. I know of investments, particularly at the moment where a lot of businesses are, like in Australia, for instance, I can give you an example. Some of the fastest growing companies in Australia are money lenders, you know, and they're getting, they're actually charging like 30%. And 
there are like I, I know several millionaires who are just lending their money to the money lenders, for instance, so that they can get those kind of you know really nice healthy returns on their on their dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, I think in those situations, they have insurance to cover them for, you know, for the, and I wanted to add a little something on the, the, you were talking about these commissions with these financial advisors and these people who will recommend investments to you. When I uh, looked into, remember I was telling you how the financial advisor had recommended that I invest in some managed funds and I was an experienced stock market trader. So I was kind of fundamentally opposed to managed funds because I'd rather be able to get in and out when I want to, because I understood the market, right? But, um, but I took an investment, a pretty hefty investment in a managed fund. And later when we were analyzing what had gone wrong, you know, why, why had he recommended me this product that actually wasn't suitable for me? We found out that he had recently sold his accounting practice to a financial investment, you know, a company that was acquiring accountants so they could grow faster. He had become a commissioned salesperson while I still thought he was my accountant. He had now become a commissioned salesperson, which a lot of people don't realize that these financial advisors are. And he yeah. didn't really understand the product. And so I said to the analyst that was going through all the you know, evidence with me, I said, so are you saying that he cost me my fortune for like a $15,000? I forget what it was. It wasn't a lot. I think it was like $1,500 a year commission that he was going to get. Yeah. And the analyst said to me, what you need to understand, though, is that if he had a hundred customers like you, and they were all giving him a $1,500 a year commission on this product, that adds like a 10 times PE ratio, you know, multiple to his, maybe not PE ratio, but it adds a 10 times multiple to his business when he goes to sell his business. Right. Right? So right. you might not think the commissions are as important to them as, you know, they are, but these guys are building businesses that they ultimately want to sell. And so every commission product they can get you into adds to the value of their business, right? Yeah. And look, these guys aren't bad guys, like you know, or gals. They're not bad people. Um, they're they're just self. Um, what I don't want to say self-absorbed, but they're they're working for themselves, right? Well, and they're building and, too. And most of the time, they're dealing exactly. With, and they're also build. They're most of the time they're dealing with people who don't know who don't know how to invest their own money. And they're just saying, what do you got, right? Yeah. And we, we call it, don't be a sheeple, yeah. right? So, <laughs> you know, don't be a sheep when it comes to these things where you just blindly trust people with your money. Really, do your due diligence. I mean, that is one thing that the wealthy do is they do their due diligence. Good people too, Yes. right? So like we said, there's certain things that you ask, certain responses that you want when you bring those people into your life. And then you can relax a little bit. Those, those are okay. You do sometimes want a financial planner in your life because, but you don't want to hand over the whole pie to them. Part of the pie, you know, like here, you handle this, go make money with it. So I don't have to worry about it. You've interviewed them. They're supposedly very good. You're, and you're keeping your eye on them, but you're not having to do all the work. So, um, you know, you're going to bring people that are going to do the, your money is to make more money with your money and to hire people that are good at what they do. And so, so there's a hiring process, so to speak. And it's like growing your own business. You bring people in, you want somebody at the front desk. That's great. You want somebody who answers the phone. That's terrific. You want somebody that can do uh, social media and your marketing for you so that you can go do what your genius is. And um, that's all a part of that process. Hi, this is Sydney. And thanks for listening to the show today. 
If you liked today's episode, please let us know. Hit the subscribe button so you can get updates on our new episodes. Leave us a comment or review. We love all of your feedback. Share the show with your friends and most importantly, come introduce yourself at our free online community at millionairestraining.org.